Welcome back to the Pursuit of Truth podcast. I'm Regan, and I'm not joined by a disinterested Riley, so I'm going to be doing this podcast solo. If you guys haven't picked up on the fact that Riley really doesn't like doing these podcasts from the previous podcast, well, he doesn't. And I appreciate that you're willing to put up with me and join me in these podcasts, Riley. I really do, but I don't want to force you to do something you don't want to do. So I'm going to be flying solo, at least for this one. I don't know if he'll ever be back for any others. Maybe he will, maybe he won't, but we're going to go ahead. So I want to talk about the previous podcast first off. In particular, the idea of politics in our podcast. Now this is something Ryan and I agreed upon rather early with the podcast, is that we weren't going to talk about politics. And the reason being... Um, amongst it generally being event-driven, which is another topic I'll get to right after this one, is that there's no shortage of political opinion in 2018. I mean, are you really going about your day going, man, I I wish I could hear someone's political opinion right now. It's been so long since I've heard this. I'm pretty sure you're not that way. If you need political opinion, it's generally two seconds away from you. You can pick up your phone, hit Twitter, hit Facebook, hit YouTube, you know, hit the news app, whatever you have available, you can get to it rather quickly. And there's just no shortage of it, like I said, in 2018. So we really didn't want to be, you know, another one of those, you know, podcasts or creators that come out and just scream their political opinions and get you all riled up emotionally and you're like, what the heck? Um, though that being said, our, I put hashtag politics on our last podcast and it is by far the most listened to and the fastest growing podcast we've ever done. But despite that fact, I still don't want to talk about politics. I don't, you know, again, I can come out and scream very emotionally what I think about stuff and, It just seems like selling out, and it's kind of cheap to me. So I I don't want to do it, and I'm not going to. And I think that's still a good idea going forward. But, like I said, politics are event-driven. And in the first podcast, we talked about not talking about events. But I kind of want to change that, because I think we can get big ideas from events. The last podcast talked about like how Trump came to be and my concerns about our current political climate, but the big idea was is that you shouldn't derive meaning and value from politics. That was the main idea I wanted to really put forward in that podcast, and I still stand by that idea. But what I learned is that just because you're talking about an event doesn't mean you can't get to a big idea. And I want to get to ideas, again, like we discussed in the First podcast, just to reiterate this, is that ideas have long-term scalability and actual people size scalability. They generally apply to the scale of the society. So we generally want to focus on those. Uh, Events come and go. um, But again, if you can pull a bigger idea out from an event, I think that's worthwhile. And on that note, what I really want to talk about today is an event and a big idea from it. Um, the event that occurred was Patreon banning Sargon of Akkad. So let me describe this event. So uh, Sargon of, of Akkad, a.k.a. Carl Benjamin, was banned from Patreon this weekend 
or last weekend, and he was banned because he decided on a another person's stream to use their terminology and their logic of neo-Nazis against them. So he's really what he's really arguing was that again neo-Nazis believe that melanin content of skin somehow is has a causal effect on the character of who you are and what he was trying to point out was that these neo-Nazis have terrible character and they were harassing him and treating him very poorly and yet they have no melanin content in their skin or very little and yet they have terrible characters so maybe this doesn't matter and that's probably the most honest interpretation of it. Patreon decided to take a very dishonest interpretation of it and that he was just saying black people are inferior to white people, which is just, it's just dishonest. I just don't know how you arrive at that from what he said and what the context was said. Again, he did use the N-word. He did use the terminology that neo-Nazis tend to use. But again, his intent was quite clear to me that neo-Nazis are incorrect about the causal link between melanin content of skin and character. <laughs> so on that note, from that event, there's two big ideas I kind of want to take away from this. Obviously, the first one is freedom of speech. This is one we already talked about. We actually have a podcast episode dedicated to freedom of speech. But I want to address what I commonly hear as objections to freedom of speech. And generally, the objection I hear the most is this consequentialist argument that people say bad things, and that because of that, other people might do bad things, or they might do bad things themselves. And they also might propagate, you know, these hateful ideas. Let me be clear about one thing. Hatred is bad. I'm not, I'm not pro-hatred. I don't think you're ever going to find you know, the moral philosopher worth their salt saying, yeah, you know what, hatred, hatred is a good thing. We need more hatred in the world. Uh, the other day, my car brakes broke. And to fix them, what I did is I, I got really, really angry and full of hate. And then they magically repaired themselves because they sensed my hatred and anger. Of course, that's not remotely true. And I made that up. To illustrate the point that hatred is rather pointless, especially when it comes to solving problems that we face. What really fixed my brakes was a mechanical analysis of what's wrong with the brakes and applying a reason to that. And in general, I don't see really any point of hatred in life. If you solve a problem legitimately, chances are you just were rational about it and analyzed it correctly. And you can do that with or without hatred. Some people might argue that it motivates you to do things. Anger might motivate you to do things, but to me, that prescription is such a random crap. Like, anger might make people do good things. It also might make them do bad things. As a matter of fact, I would assume they do more bad things than good things when people are angry. And ultimately, what solves the problem you could have done if you just rationally thought about it and executed on your conclusions that are rational you don't need hatred or anger to solve problems. And so I'm, I'm definitely not for people spouting anger and hatred to solve problems. It's just, it's not necessary. But 
while people can say hateful and mean and nasty things, the problem that that argument of the consequentialist objections to free speech are not considering is the moral enforcement portion of it. So if you're going to say, okay, we need to stop the bad ideas and the anger and the hatred and the nasty things being said and the racist things being said, someone has to do that. And the question becomes, who? Now, before you pick your almighty arbiter of freedom of speech here and who's going to regulate it, let me uh, demonstrate something really quickly that's quite important. Something that Yuval Noah Harari uh, did in his TED Talk was one thing that he demonstrated that the power of humanity, of what we have as a species to have dominion over the planet, is coordination and both in flexibility and in scale, but primarily, fundamentally, it's coordination. Now, how do we coordinate? What is the essence of human coordination? What it would be the one of the most important things to it? Well, the ability to communicate. We cannot organize our efforts effectively and in a common direction without communication. So whoever you deem to be the lord of speech, First off, I don't know if you know this, but humans kind of sometimes come attached with some very bad character traits. The best way to actually mitigate that is with a system of checks and balances, a Montesquieu system essentially that we, of course, currently have in our current government. But the problem is, is that in order to utilize the power that those human systems have, they're going to have to coordinate their efforts to mitigate the other one. And of course, if you're the lord of speech and you can dictate what speech is good and what isn't and put people in jail who have bad speech and keep people out who have good speech and you get to dictate all this, well then, if anyone tries to check your power, they're going to have to communicate and organize and you can just stop it altogether. Again, this is a point I covered in the Freedom of Speech podcast, but there's no way you can have a Montesquieu checks and balance system that can withstand the power of speech control. Like, it's just not a thing. It has to be free. That is the only way you cannot have, essentially, a dictator rise. So, the other objection I hear to freedom of speech is that it's a law and it does not apply um, to private businesses. Which, as, you know, if you're a lawyer, I'm sure that's true. But as a moral principle, freedom of speech is still very true. For the reasons I just described, if you design a society where there are limitations on speech, again, some human being has to enforce that. Moral limitations do not enforce themselves. And if you give that human being that power, you're going to just cause nothing but human suffering. He will most likely become a dictator. He will use the uh, organization at his whim to his ends. So... That's why I still think freedom of speech is important. I don't... The other thing, I don't need someone to tell me how to think. No one needs no one to tell you how to think. I honestly have some faith in that people are somewhat smart. And... Which might be a little too much faith. You never know. But no one should have that power. And on top of that, good ideas can be bad ideas. And if I can't again, defeat a racist 
in the arena of ideas, we have a much larger problem than him saying bad things. I think that's how you should really handle this with people who say terrible, nasty things, is with better ideas and discussion. But discussion has to occur somewhere. And that brings me to the second big idea from this event, from Sargon of Akkad being banned, and that is the digital public square. So the notion of a public square was, you know, a physical place that people could gather that, you know, is public, so the government owns it, and was, you know, fairly simple to set up. You just, you know, like say, this square here is the public square. Everyone is welcome, you know, interact with each other, discuss, and what have you. Well, in this day and age, we have a new public square, and the public square is the internet. And it isn't just as simple as declaring some three-dimensional space and saying this is where we'll, we'll gather. It requires a lot of infrastructure and investment from private businesses to create it and set it up. So they own this property to get you to the public space that we all now use and where this podcast is at. And it seems from what Patreon has done, since they own the infrastructure to get there, they pretty much are going to use it to get their way. They, and they pretty much don't care, which I find rather concerning. Because what this means to me is that essentially their platform, and I mean, Tim Cook also joined in on this. He says, we're going to kick people off Apple, and we're, uh, neo-Nazis to start. But again, is Tim Cook going to stop there? I sure hope so, but I, you never know. There's nothing to stop him from going further. And the same with PayPal. PayPal actually bailed out of this as well, which is shocking to me because that's like money. That's like the most fundamental thing we do. So I don't know if these platforms are going to be for progressives only, but that's not a good sign to go. It's also not a great revenue system, I believe. I believe Patreon is losing a lot of revenue over this ban, and I'm pretty sure that's... I mean, I'm no CEO, master businessman, but I'm pretty sure that's not what you want to do. You don't want to do things that make you lose revenue. Again, I'm not sure. Um, Could be wrong. But what seems to happen is that now, because of the market capitalist system... Uh, non-progressives need a need need these these services provided for them, and they're not going to be provided by Patreon, PayPal, or or Apple apparently. So it seems like the non-progressive people are organizing, and you know gonna, they're going to provide these services. The problem is, is that the public square was public; it was accessible to everyone; it was available to everyone, and no one really had dominion or control over it primarily because of the rules the government has but also primarily no one controls three-dimensional space like that's accessible to everyone but the infrastructure needed for platforms on the internet is not as simple as three-dimensional space nor is it readily accessible as three-dimensional space what i see happening is that now we're going to have a non-progressive side of the internet and a progressive side of the internet well, this isn't very public square What I, I, I foresee this becoming are phenomenal echo chambers where we just, we don't talk to anyone on the other side. We don't interact. And when 
roughly half, probably, I would say it's more non-progressive than progressive, because I feel non-progressive is a rather more encompassing uh, term than progressive is at this point. Split, like, that's just not going to work. The thing is, we, we still all live in the same planet at the end of the day, with the same people still alive for many years to come. So, I don't see us, again, coordinating effectively in any way with us walling off each other. <laughs> like, this just isn't going to work. I, the public square, this idea of being able to communicate with one another openly and freely, I think it's, it's very fundamental to society, and it, it needs to be there. And the fact that now capitalist, capitalism is going to step in and handle this, I don't think it's... I don't think it's willing... First off, it's not a commodity. It's not like making a shoe. Like, I, I, I want a shoe sometimes, and sometimes I don't. And market systems can handle, you know, making me a shoe. But society, not just me, all of society needs a public square. And it needs to be available to everyone. Or it's going to sow even more division, which is not in short supply right now. And... If you're going to divide your society even further, first off, I think that the capitalist incentive, if it's anything like the political incentive, which seems to be division gets you votes, then it's probably going to be division gets you money. And if that's the case, I could be wrong on that. Don't, I could be wrong. But if that's the road we're going to go down, this political capitalism, if you will, where we're just like, we're going to warden off, you know, pizza joints by progressive and non-progressive pizza joints and <laughs> and and water fountains by progressive and non-progressive water fountains which i believe the last time we tried that move it was really not a good idea could be wrong but i'm pretty sure it didn't work out too well this isn't going to work i don't think capitalism is up to the task the way it's structured and the way the incentives are laid out of creating public squares and platforms for everyone to have discussions of ideas like this this isn't going to work. And this is a new paradigm for us in this country. Because we've never, like I said, three-dimensional space was owned by no one. I mean, okay, we, we do own land, but the government owns some land too. And then, again, their rules apply and everyone gets to do whatever they want on them. Well, quote-unquote whatever they want on them for the most part. And it was fairly accessible and easy to do for people. But Creating a Patreon, creating a Facebook, creating, creating a Twitter, this is not something gov the government can do very well. They can barely create a healthcare website, let alone a social network, not to mention all the, the legal litigations that I'm sure would come with that and the political madness that would also follow. Like, I don't see the government being able to step up to do this, and I don't think the capitalistic system and market system are going to be able to do this well. That is my concern. That is the big idea for the day. The... The public square is now the internet, the infrastructure that people provide to get to the public square. And I don't have a good solution on how to handle this, but I think our current direction of we're just going to divide it down the line, progressive, non-progressive, I don't think this is going to bode well for anyone. Um, again, this would be a great point for Riley to come in and tell me I'm being alarmist. And hopefully I am. Maybe I am. But I don't think I am currently. Again, I would love to hear anyone's feedback on this. Um, on anything. Anything I've ever said ever on this podcast. Any feedback. We still have none. 
So either I'm 100% right or all my podcast sucks and no one cares. Probably that one. But in the meantime, you can find us at the Pursuit of Truth Podcast at gmail.com. We're on Facebook because that's a public square. We're on Twitter. I really wouldn't go there to give us any feedback. I'd go to Facebook. That's where I'd probably be the most active. You can also send me an email. I do check it every once in a while. But I'll see you in the next one. I don't know if Riley will be there. Maybe he will. Maybe he won't. But I'll see you then.